Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. And we are starting our little mini-series called Town Talks, and we are having community leaders come and spend some time with us. And I appreciate their willingness to come out on a Sunday, outside their work time, to, to be with us. And as you know, that for us to be in Laconia and in this Lakes region, we've always said that God has placed us here to bring life to a city. And uh, our focus is not just about, hey, how many people can come to, to our church, but it's how does our church bring life to our city? And how do we bring the, the hope and the message of Jesus Christ in a way that's just practical in the way of helping to love a city back to health? And I know this city needs you. The city needs me. And we need to come together and, and join forces to do the good that God is, is wanting to do in the city. I have, a, I have a verse for us this morning. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, it says, Seek the welfare, or other versions called prosperity. Seek the prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray for the Lord on its behalf. For in its prosperity or welfare, you'll find your prosperity. Basically, it was this. This is Jeremiah talking to those who have been exiled in Babylon. And he's saying, the place that you are, even though you don't call that home, bless it. Seek its prosperity. Seek its welfare. And when you do, you yourself will be prosperous. And you yourself will have welfare. It's interesting. We realize that God has placed us in the city of Laconia. God has given us this building. As we shared uh, last week, we don't know how much longer we are going to actually be in this building. God seemingly is moving us on. We don't know where our next stop is, but one thing we do know is that God goes before us. Well, this morning, I have a special guest with us, uh, the mayor of Laconia, Ed Angler, and we would like to hear from him this morning. Would you welcome Mayor Angler? Thank you. Well, thank you, Mayor. I really appreciate you being here with us uh, today. I have to say that I have really enjoyed getting to know you. Uh, we've had some conversations. You've brought us in on some things that we've been talking about um, as a city, and we've been at some similar events. And one thing I appreciate about you is that you're not a politician. <laughs> Nothing wrong with politicians, but I'm working on that. But but what I what I mean by that is you care for people. And I'm not saying politicians don't care for people, but you know sometimes political figures could look like they're there for a position and not there for the people. And you are here for the people and for the city and I I've appreciated that. But you know, a lot of people haven't had an opportunity to get to know you. They've probably seen your name in the paper, or they probably have read your paper, the Laconia Daily Sun. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe where you came from, you've got family? Just let us know who you are. Who is this Ed Angler? Well, I, could, <clears throat> I couldn't help but uh, reflect on that a minute when you were speaking a minute ago about how we find ourselves in Laconia, New Hampshire. And some of us were born here, obviously, and raised here, but many of us were not. And uh, I, was, uh, I was born and raised in a tiny prairie town in South Dakota. 
uh, in absolutely the middle of nowhere. And uh, somehow from there, uh, it's been so long ago now, I forget exactly how, I ended up in Texas uh, and went to college in Texas and uh, met my wife there, married there, had our first uh, child there, uh, was in business there for a number of years and uh, have lived in different parts of the country at different times and somehow I ended up in New Hampshire and it's such a blur <laughs> and so long ago now that I don't, I don't even remember how, but who would have ever guessed uh, years ago that, you know, the odds of, of me ending up in Laconia, New Hampshire and spending a good share of my adult life in this area is, is uh, you know, upon reflection, completely unpredictable. And, uh, but here I am. And uh, so I, I moved to uh, New Hampshire. I lived in New Hampshire briefly in the early 80s up in the Mount Washington Valley. And then uh, my family and I, after living in Colorado for a number of years during most of the 80s, we moved back here in 87. So I've been in New Hampshire continuously then since 1987. And uh, I moved to Laconia in um, 15 years ago. Wow. Uh, which, in the grand scheme of things, is not very long. Uh, and that's, uh, that's, and I moved here specifically to start a business, uh, living in over in uh, neighboring Carroll County to the east of this before then. Uh, I am a, uh, uh, I'm single, uh, a uh, widower. Uh, I have two adult children, and um, in, in uh, two weeks' time, I'm going to have everybody home here in Laconia. To uh, My kids were raised in New Hampshire, but they live far away now. My daughter is a physician, and uh, she lives in Southern California with her husband and family. I have two, two grandchildren, six and three. Wow. And um, uh, so I get out there a couple times a year usually, and they come here once, so I'm I don't get to see my grandkids, but three times a year. So how do you like being a grandfather? I, I heard it's like being a grandparent is spectacular because they cry and you can just hand them back. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, well, it is true what they say about you being able to, uh, you know, the good part about it is you get the good parts of the children and you don't have to worry <laughs> about the bad parts. I mean, there are, there are, when, when, when things get out of hand, you just hand them back. So that part is true. But uh, for me, it's a little bit different because I don't see them that much. I mean, if, I was, if they were living next door in the same city or something or other, I think it would be a, a much, different, uh, much different relationship. But I, you know, I do cherish the time that I have with them. And, and uh, I especially like it when they come here because just the activity level in the house, you can just imagine, in, in the yard is just explodes yeah and uh you know i'm kind of glad for peace and quiet after a week or 10 days to get back to normal a little bit but uh you still miss it and, and i just more than anything i just cherish uh just the activity and hearing the voices and, and even the crying and the fussing about this well what they usually say though is you love to see them come but you also love to see them go well <laughs> You know, and it's funny though about the grandkids. I and I'm telling a secret here that I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I'm counting on you not to repeat it. Uh, I enjoy as much as I enjoy the grandchildren. I I enjoy having a visit with my daughter even more. I mean, I really cherish that opportunity to because uh, I don't see her very much, and uh, you know we talk on the phone and do some skyping and whatnot here and there, but just to be around her for a week is a privilege beyond all privileges to me. Yeah. 
and have those conversations. My son, I'm going to forget my son. He's 10 years younger uh, than his sister. Um, he lives in, in Montana, again, a long way away. And uh, he went to Laconia High School here uh, and uh, went to college out west. And uh, he and his uh, soon-to-be wife um, both got their master's degree at uh, Montana State University in Bozeman. And um, not untypically for that area, they loved it so much they want to stay there. So they're scratching out a living, teaching, and, and uh, he's working for a large uh, Internet-based printing company. And she's uh, adjunct English professor. They both have their degrees in English. And he's, she's doing some adjunct teaching at the college there and whatnot. So, and they'll be back also uh, in two weeks, so I'll have them as well. And then we're going back out there uh, in October for the wedding. Sounds like a lot of fun, a lot of activity going So that's going my family. On. That's your family. So you, uh, you own the Laconi Daily Sun. How did you get in the paper business? Uh, I fell into it accidentally, actually. I, I, I have, a, uh, I have a, a degree in journalism, uh, but I wasn't a practicing journalist in any way, shape, or form. I, I went into the advertising agency business out of college uh, in Houston. And uh, uh, my wife was a journalist. <clears throat> and and uh, after, I don't remember how many years, most of my 20s in the advertising agency business, I grew very tired of that uh, particular enterprise. And, and we were looking for a business of some kind that we could, my wife and I, that we could go into together, that we could work together in. And uh, Here's the, my question. Could you work together, though? We did. Oh, that's yeah, good. It was, it was, it was amazing uh, for a number of years. But so we ended up starting a newspaper together. And, and I literally had never even been in a newspaper office. Uh, she was a practicing journalist, but I was not. And uh, so we, we really, from a business standpoint especially, we had absolutely no idea what we were doing. <laughs> and uh, we started a business and, and uh, uh, with a relatively small amount of money, started a little weekly newspaper in a suburb of Houston, and uh, sold it several years later and took the proceeds and gone on from there. So I've been, I've been in the newspaper business continuously then since, uh, since that time, which was, I don't know how many years that adds up to now, I'd hate to add it up, but that was in the late 70s, so a long time. And uh, I was in the, in the uh, 90s, I was in the uh, printing and newspaper business uh, working for a company uh, based in Massachusetts uh, that, that owned a whole group of newspapers in Maine and New Hampshire, and I was sort of in charge of the printing and, and news, overall charge of the newspaper and printing business for that Massachusetts company. And uh, that company was sold, and I didn't particularly like the new owners, and so I left. And uh, I knew, the short version of the story is, I knew the two gentlemen who owned the Conway Daily Sun. Uh, for, had known them for years and whatnot, and they came to me after I left that other job and said, "We'd like to start another newspaper somewhere. You know, would you like to be involved in it?" And I said, "Sure." And uh, so we we pretty much randomly picked Laconia. Okay. I wish I could say there was a ton of market research <laughs> backing up this enterprise, but there was none. Uh, we were looking for the press was in North Conway, and so we were looking for some place that logistically was within an hour's drive or so of. North Conway, and, and you draw a circle and look around, and, and uh, we picked Laconia. Uh, and uh, it was like coming from Mars, to be honest with you, because uh, <laughs> on day one, June 5th, 2000, uh, nobody connected with our little enterprise 
knew a single person in Laconia or the Lakes region. I mean, it was like we just had no contacts, whatever. And uh, it was rough. I mean, we, we, uh, we struggled for much more so than, uh, you know, you need to throw numbers out, but uh, whatever our budget was for that first, you know, that we our seed capital that we put up for this thing, we went through in like three months and we were broke already. <laughs> And uh, so we, we struggled, and it was, it was very difficult. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I often say, and I mean it from my heart, that I'm really appreciative that uh, 15 years later, I can say we have a very prosperous, successful business. Yeah. And, uh, and for, the, for, for Laconia and the Lakes region to accept us as total outsiders uh, with no contacts, whatever, the way we were accepted, Almost from day one, certainly not by everybody, but certainly people welcomed us from day one. Uh, and you don't forget something like that. You know, you, you no, I want to jump off that a little bit because we experienced the same thing. I'm, I'm not originally around from, from these parts. Actually, there used to be a day, I shared this last week, though, that we'd go through Laconia. And, and Laconia had a little bit of a reputation. I remember just, okay, I'm coming up to Laconia, close my eyes, drive through, then open my eyes again. It's like, whew, I made it through Laconia. But, but, after coming into Laconia and establishing a church and walking in the main street, the people are amazing, are so friendly, probably the friendliest I've ever seen in many parts of the country. And there's something very special to this city. You've actually, uh, now that you've run a paper for a while, you've been reporting on Laconia for many years, but now that you're a mayor uh, of Laconia, how do you see the city differently, and what do you know about? And you know, what can you tell us, the audience here today, of the city that we're a part of? Because that's what we're here today to hear about: is what what is the city? Where's it going, and how do we kind of join into making it better? So, you've reported on it. Now you're the mayor who's in all these meetings. Tell us a little about this city. Well, I did, I did bring to the. Uh... I did bring to the to the to the, uh, the job of mayor, um, even though I had never, certainly never held public. I'd never been a city councilor or anything like, or held any city office before, and had only lived here for for thirteen or fourteen years at the time. Um, I, you know, because I was a journalist and had covered city hall and had supervised other people who had covered city hall and whatnot. I, I probably had a certainly a, a better working reference on how government works and all that sort of stuff and, and, and who all the players were than most people would have, even people who'd lived here for their whole lives because it was my business. So I did have that perspective. And, and while, I've, while I have uh, certainly learned thousands of little things that I didn't know before in terms of the inner workings of things and whatnot, I, I mean, I, I think the big picture I already pretty much had a feel for. I would say that the, probably the single most significant thing that I have learned uh, being mayor is more internal and subtle things about what makes things work and what makes things tick and what motivates people and trying to get a feel, and I'm still learning, it's a long learning process, is trying to get a feel for, well you see something is done a certain way and, and trying to get a grasp for why. and. And, and something you'd like to see done differently and hopefully better from your perspective and why it's not being done better or, or what's holding us back in that area. And, and you really have to, 
you know, as the old saying goes, you really have to walk in people's shoes a little bit and get a better feel for what people's individual motivation is and what, what's, what's going on in their minds. And, uh, you know, certainly Laconia is no different than any other place in the sense that it has a culture. And sometimes that culture, we've already talked about the good aspect of that culture and how nurturing and welcoming it can be. But there are also aspects of that culture that are, that are, that are not so good. And, and, and I would say from my own perspective, the biggest single one of those is probably a reluctance to change an assumption on the part of people that something's done the way it's done because it's always been done that way. No one's ever done it any differently, and therefore that's the way it always has been, and that's the way it always will be. And I think that one thing, one thing you gain from having people move to your community who weren't born and raised here is they have lived other places and whatnot and seen things done another way uh, and, and can raise things like that. Well, wait a minute, I came from Nebraska or wherever, and we did it this way there. And it might not be better, it might not be, it may be better, it may not be better, but at least it's different and it gives you a different perspective on, on, on why we do things a certain way. I mean, certainly as far as the, this area is concerned, obviously we know we are blessed with extraordinary physical beauty. And, 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 you know, we, we probably take that for granted. I mean, you go, vac go away to somewhere on vacation, and it, it's easy to come back and say, wow, why did we go anywhere else? You know, it's like <laughs> we, we pretty much got it all right here. And, and uh, so, you know, we, we certainly have that going for us and, and, and have a lot going for us in that way. Uh, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest single issue that the city faces and, and all of New Hampshire faces, frankly, or most of New Hampshire, I wouldn't say necessarily all, but most of New Hampshire faces, and certainly everything north of Concord in the state, which is 75% of the land mass, really, uh, is that um, we're, we're, we're stagnant. We're not growing. And, and we, have, we have issues with quality of life and lack of prosperity in a good part of the state. And, and we have significant problems resulting because of that. Probably the most recent manifestation of that is the, is the uh, heroin epidemic, as an example. It's certainly not just Laconia, it's, it's pretty much everywhere in the state. But in my opinion, that grows out of despair. Mm -hmm. That grows not exclusively, but it grows out of grinding generational poverty, lack of opportunity, that sort of thing. And, and I think that's the single biggest problem facing the state in general and Laconia in particular is that we are getting older and poorer by the minute. Uh, the population of Laconia at roughly 16,000 people has not budged an inch in more than half century. I mean, that's, that's an amazing fact when you think about it. I mean, we, we, the city of Laconia had 16,000 people in 1960, and it still has 16,000 people. Wow. Uh, the school-age population in Laconia uh, for many, many, many decades held steady after some people who aren't familiar with the area probably don't know this, but up until the mid-'70s, Guilford and Laconia were one school district. And so Laconia High School was... was uh, had not was considerably larger than it is now because it, the children from Guilford and Gilmanton also came to high school here as well. Okay, as I didn't Laconia. realize that. And uh, so the school is a lot smaller than it was at, at its heyday back in the in the mid 70s. But uh, from the time that Guilford left the and started their own, and built their own high school, 
the, the school age population in Laconia has been steady or was steady at 2,500 students. Not surprisingly, uh, because the city population didn't change any, uh, the school age population didn't change any either. Uh, and it just stayed the same year after year after year after year until about 10 years ago. And this happened statewide and it started plummeting. And our school age population now is closer to 2,000, uh, uh, roughly a 20% drop, and that's true statewide. And so that's a little bit alarming uh, in terms of the demographics. You used the word prosperity earlier, and, and that's one of my favorite words, and I, I, I use that word a lot. But uh, you can't have prosperity with a plunging population, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know of any examples where that's the case. So I've got an idea. So when your kids come home, in the next couple of weeks, tell them to stay. Yeah. <laughs> There's well, two. We added two. <laughs> well, you know, and, and, and everybody talks about that that brain drain. Yeah. is usually what it's called in New Hampshire and Laconia and whatnot. And we regret the fact that 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 you know our kids grow up and they move away to California or wherever, and they don't come back and they're gone. And 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 I don't get too concerned about that, frankly. I mean, sure, I wish more could stay and prosper in our own community. But I don't think there's anything wrong with, with kids getting out on their own. I'm happy that my children have found opportunities in other parts of the country. Um, and, and maybe one day, one or two of them will come back, and that's, you know, and, and, that, and that's fine. And we would certainly welcome that. What bothers me more is that we're not attracting other people's children. You know, if they're going to California, then why aren't the California kids or the New Jersey kids or whatever kids right. coming here? That's yeah. where we're really failing is those kids want to get away from home and spread their own wings as well. And we're not attracting those people. We're not getting our share of those. So we have a net, a net loss. And, and uh, one of the uh, – now, you can look around Laconia, for example, and say, well, one thing that's changed in Laconia is our population has stayed the same. But – the number of housing units in Laconia has, is a lot larger than it used to be. And the reason for that is because they're all vacation homes. They're all second homes. We've had an explosion in the last 20 or 30 years, uh, 20 years anyway, of, of the building vacation homes. And we like that. It has certainly added to the prosperity of the community from a standpoint that it adds to our tax base. Uh, property values have increased because of that. Uh, but most of these people are if they if there are either vacationers, temporary residents, or their senior citizens retiring. And we love to have them, and we love the fact that they contribute to our community in a number of ways, but that has to be balanced by younger people, people with children. I see a lot of children here today. That's a wonderful thing. Uh, because if you don't have that, what's going to happen is we're going to have a society down the road, which is where we're marching now in Laconia and the whole state of New Hampshire, where we're going to have wealthy retired people living here and the rest of us are all going to be serving them food and mowing their lawns. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, that's going to be the economy and and most of us don't want that. Right. You know, so it's it's So uh, what do you think you have a solution? Have you thought that through to say what possible let's just think about Laconia and its prosperity. What could we do that might start adding to the change of that trend, if you will, of, of not attracting young talent? Well, the word, the word uh, competitive uh, um, comes to my mind immediately, and, and uh, um, we have to be, in my estimation, more competitive from a, from a uh, 
in terms of attracting people to want to live not just in the Lakes region, but in Laconia. I mean, you can, one of the extraordinary things about this part of the country that's very different if you've never lived anywhere else is if, if you're in Nebraska and you get a job in McCook, Nebraska, you're going to live in McCook, Nebraska. I mean, there's nothing else, you know, you don't have any choice really. Uh, but if you get a job in Laconia, if you get a job at the bank or at the hospital or wherever, you can live in four or five different school districts, different communities within three or four miles of that job. You have lots of choices, okay? And, and so even though your job might be in Laconia, you don't have to live in Laconia. So we're in effect competing, if you will, uh, as they're competing with us for those people uh, and their children and, 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 and uh, it's, so what do we have to offer in terms of housing, in terms of amenities, that sort of thing. It's, it's no different than if you're a company and saying, what do I have to do to make my product more attractive? To try to get the kind of people that we would like to have move to Laconia, live in Laconia. Um, and, and, and to me, it's, that, it's, it's that, that simple, really, is we have to be more competitive in terms of, of, of what we have to offer in terms of attractiveness. Uh, to, to get people to live in Laconia. Um, so one thing, Mayor, that you had mentioned, I was at another meeting that you were at, you were talking about the number of kids that have the free and reduced lunch in our school system. Can you share that with us? Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, this is really, for, there are a lot of good things going on in Laconia. Uh, let me say that first. I mean, we, we, we I mean, there's, you, you can anecdotally point to any number of good things that are happening. Your church. Uh, there's there's all kinds of good things. We have the Colonial Theater Project underway now, uh, but overall the demographic picture is not good. And probably the simplest measure of that, I mentioned before that our school age population is declining, which is happening statewide. But the more shocking statistic is the the poverty level in the city, as measured typically by the number of children in the school system who qualify for free lunch. And just to throw out a number there, but you qualify for, and I'm generalizing a little bit here, but you, you, you qualify for free lunch if you're a student. If your parents make within 130% of the federal poverty number for the size of your family or below. Now for a family of four for next year, that number is $31,000. Okay, so if you're fam if you got a family of four and your total income for that family is thirty-one thousand dollars or less, you qualify for free lunch. Okay, in Laconia, that number is sixty percent. Wow. Sixty percent of the twenty-one hundred students we have in the school system here, putting it in that in that measure, come from families. If it's a family of four, as a common measure come from families that, whose total family income is $31,000 or less. I mean, that's a shocking number. 60, and that number has doubled in the last 10 years. Wow. Doubled. Wow. So that's, that's uh, you know, one, one of the things that, 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 uh, that I learned about Laconia after having moved here that I greatly admire is I was, I was, uh, I've always been impressed with the number of, of good families in Laconia of, of all income levels who 
kept their kids in the public school system, whose kids went through, I mean, we didn't have that kind of flight in Laconia where everybody, and we have options here. There are private schools around, and some kids send their kids to private schools, but most don't. And the public school system here has really been a, a, a real unifying because of that. Uh, but the problem is, is that the, the children, the, 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 the prosperous families, especially prosperous young families, and by prosperous I mean middle class or, or above, I don't mean wealthy, uh, are not having children anymore. I mean, we're just not attracting the, the, those families that sent all their kids through school here and made the community so strong are not being replaced at anywhere near the level that they need to be replaced. And that's, what, that's where we're really failing is we're not attracting those young families that have, that have good incomes uh, to support their families. And, and, and you can see that in that number at the school, 60%. And the number statewide, we, we wear ourselves out in this state. I mean, there's a lot of good things about New Hampshire. Obviously, we wouldn't be living here. But we wear ourselves out talking about how patting ourselves on the back about how we're the, we're the best at this and the best at that. And 30% of the school children in the state of New Hampshire qualify for free lunch. We have I mean, some that's, work that's an unbelievable yeah. number when you think about it. Absolutely. And, 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 and I think we're our own worst enemy in that regard because we have been so concentrated since the early 80s in trying to control population growth that we've, we're killing ourselves. Right. I mean, we're, we're, we didn't want anybody to move here because we were afraid it was going to change, you know, the New Hampshire way of life and whatever. And because of that, our population has stagnated and now is actually going down. And that's, that's going to kill us. You can't have a prosperous society that's shrinking in population, whether you're in Italy or Europe. I mean, this is, this is an issue that's facing much of Europe and uh, is, is at the heart of a lot of the immigration issues and whatnot they have in Europe now because their native populations are shrinking and getting older by the minute. And we, you know, we need to turn that ten tried around in, in New Hampshire and in Laconia. So um, one of the things that we're working at, I, I, as you know, I serve on the Master Plan Advisory Committee as well for the town, and we are looking at Many times we get so negative on ourselves, but yet there are a lot of positive things going on in our city. One of them, which you have been very instrumental in, is, is allowing the, uh, a partnership between the Belknap Economic Development Council, the city, um, which will be a, a short-term investor, and uh, to, to purchase the Laconia, uh, the Colonial Theatre. Um, tell us a little bit uh, about that and why you feel like that is important for our city to see this come back to life. Obviously, I don't have any personal memories of going to the Colonial Theater, but people who did grow up here, uh, it doesn't take living in Laconia very long to know what a, what a uh, central place that building and that facility played in the, in the life of the community uh, in, a, in another generations. And... and uh, I think it has, uh, it certainly has practical, uh, uh, it plays a practical, critical role in the life of the community, I think, in the sense that one of the things we're lacking in Laconia, as many communities are in the country now, is, is things that give us a sense of community. I mean, this is wonderful that you all are here this morning and you get together every Sunday morning and whatnot, but we need more places we need places period where all of us get together not just 
just separate congregations or whatever, but the community gets together where we can run into people we know and whatnot, and we've lost that in much of America. And so, uh, you know, I think part of community well-being is that sense of community, and we need a growing sense of community. And my, and and I think the, the I think that's the reason why why people mentally place so much emphasis on the colonial theater is because it does have that nostalgia place of community. It's going to be a large auditorium. It'll seat nearly a thousand people uh, when it's renovated and it'll give us a much more opportunity to have community gatherings. And we're hoping that downtown will be, renov will, will be revitalized on that, in a general standpoint too, not just the theater, but we hope that it will be a catalyst for further redevelopment downtown so that downtown becomes what it once was. I mean, if you go back to Laconia and, and most other American towns and cities 50, 60 years ago and certainly more, if you wanted, you know, if you went downtown on a Friday or Saturday, you saw everybody. I mean, that's, that's where the community got together and we've lost that. And I think this is an effort to at least get partially to get some of that back in sense of community. And I think most people believe the, the Colonial Theater is the linchpin for doing that. Uh, and, and not only for, for, we don't have a decent auditorium space in this city of any size. We're, we're lacking that as I'm talking about amenities. We're lacking that as an amenity. We don't have a good community auditorium. And uh, so I thought it was important and, and, and I realized in my own mind that frankly this was never going to happen unless the city all of the sin when I say the city the city is not in my mind a, a abstract foreign object the city is us right we are the right. city and and uh, so th this is community to me and so it it, it, it it became obvious to me that the colonial was never going to happen uh, unless we as a community came together and made it happen Right. That if we're just sitting around waiting for someone else to do it, it just never was going to happen. It's not financially feasible. And so, uh, you know, I've, I've been, been uh, uh, I've made a significant effort, uh, at least I think on my part, to try to, to try to get us interested in a community in terms of doing this project and, and, and lobby strongly to get the city council to go along with it. And, and we have a significant measure of public, uh, public money uh, and, and public effort involved in this, and, and, and frankly, we wouldn't be talking about it today if that wasn't the case. If this That's wouldn't right. happen. That's right. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a $15 million project here and qualifying for significant federal funding, um, and, and this just wouldn't be possible uh, and without, without public participation on a prize. A private enterprise would not happen. Correct. So I think, you know, and, and, and that's a different way of looking at things for a lot of people in New England. They're not used to thinking that way. And, and, and other parts of the country, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't even give it a second thought. But uh, in New England, that sort of thinking, for whatever reason, is more difficult to come by, I think, in terms of, of uh, look, at, look at Manchester and the Verizon Center. Uh, when that was built, what, 10, 15 years ago now, tremendous controversy in Manchester as to whether public money should be spent on a 10,000-seat arena and whatnot. And, oh, my God, what an abomination. This is going to be the end of this all and all this debt and whatnot. It has completely transformed that city. Uh, True. And, 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 and uh, you know, I think nobody looking back on that would say, well, that was a dumb move to build. That building has completely transformed a completely empty second-hand store downtown into a vibrant community center. I agree. Uh, Mayor, I'm often inquisitive. We know that we're for the city and we engage with 
our town hall, we engage with other social sectors, uh, we're involved in a mentoring program in the middle school, and I often wonder how somebody like yourself perceives a church like this in this community. Could you just tell us from your perspective what you think that we bring to a town? Because I think sometimes we just we, we congregate and we know that we're for a city, but we never necessarily know how people from the outside view us. Well, I'm learning a lot today. You know, I mean, I mean, it's 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 it's. Uh, I think it's I think it's a little bit difficult, and I, and as mayor, it has opened up avenues for me that, frankly, I probably wouldn't have explored before. You know, it's days only so long, and your interests are are spread here and there, and and uh, you know, it's kind of like you go with what you know, and uh, so certainly I've had opportunities uh, since being mayor to get to know people and. And, and different ways people associate that I would have never known before. Uh, I think the, uh, uh, so, you know, as to what the public profile is of Grace Capital Church, I'm not sure I'm qualified to tell you that, but I, 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 I don't think it's viewed as anything other than positive, certainly, uh, primarily because the, 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 the church has gotten so involved in the community and locating right in the middle of downtown and whatnot. And, and, and a building that was badly underutilized, and, and uh, so that's been a, a very public thing, and, and, and certainly uh, your church and many other churches in the area, uh, the faith community in general, do a lot of, a lot of good work uh, in the community, and, uh, and that's wonderful. But I think doing things like this and trying to connect people in your congregation to, to the community in greater ways, uh, you know, uh, it's probably easier for some of the more established churches and whatnot because, you know, prominent business people have always gone to the ex-church or whatever for generation upon generation, and so probably there's a more direct connection to some of those more like the certainly the Catholic Church and the Congregational Church and some of the more established churches that have been here for more than a hundred years and that sort of thing. But uh, uh, you know, I think uh, I think outreaching like this is uh, is is tremendous and and. Uh, we we need so much we need so much done and so many more people engaged and active that uh, uh, I think that can't help but be a benefit. My my uh, um, advice, if you will, uh, not just to to the people in your church, but I say the same thing to everybody is: um, this is a very caring community. And I mean, look at the children's auction as a as a uh, example of that. Now, the the proceeds from the annual children's auction now are in the half million dollar range. I mean, that's just amazing to be raised in 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 one week's time. And that's just the tip of the iceberg for all the general giving and caring that's done in the community. Um, but I I I had a I had the honor uh, a few weeks ago of speaking to the. Uh, the Got Lunch program volunteers on their first morning of their, their program at the end of June or whatnot. And, and uh, I bring them, unfortunately, I guess for them, the same tired old message every year, but it, uh, I, uh, I'll continue to do that, and I'd like to say it again here this morning. And that is, while I congratulate them in all sincerity for their program, and for those of you who aren't familiar with that program, it's, it's an attempt uh, which is spread uh, to other communities as well now to feed children or bring groceries to families with children who qualify for free lunch during the school year. 
um, but what do they do during the summer? And so this is a, this is a program to get uh, fresh groceries and healthy food and whatnot to families who are struggling to put food on the table uh, year-round and, and can rely on the free lunch program during the school year but don't have that during the summer. And, and what I say to people, and I'll say to, to you all here today, is that's great and it's wonderful that we're doing that and that we've been able to get a community effort together to do work like that and to help people who are in need and that's certainly needed. But the bigger challenge is, what are we doing to see that there are fewer of those children next year? I agree. That's really the issue. It's not just enough to help people in need. You know, it's the old, it's the old, uh, well, what's the saying you know better than I do, I'm sure, about Give uh, a man teaching a, fish, a man to fish. Eat yes. for a day, but you teach him to fish, you'll eat for a lifetime. Exactly. And, and, and to me, that's the real challenge for all of us, is what are we doing individually and as a community to see that it's better tomorrow than it is today and not just offering a helping hand? Well, Mayor, I would say that is probably a great place to uh, to end this interview this morning. Uh, we could talk for so much more, but uh, what you just said to all of us is really the heart of why we're here in this city. Obviously, we're a church, so we uh, we turn to the Bible, we turn to the scriptures as our not only source of inspiration, but we also know that as our country was founded in Christian principles, we saw prosperity that took place because of that. And for us as those who are here and some who are checking uh, church out for the first time this morning. We want to welcome you here, and, and this is an open community uh, for people to check out God and check out what church is. But we realize that it's not just enough to come to church on a Sunday morning, that we have to go into a community, and not just for charity. Charity is great and it has its place, but true prosperity changes when a heart changes, number one, and then number two, after the heart changes, we know that we've got people and support systems that are going to help take people from this place and move them to this place. And it's a community effort. And we appreciate you, uh, Mr. Mayor, for your part in helping us steer us to a, a place of prosperity as a community. And we thank you that you do view us as partners. And we view you as partners and as you represent the city. And we view our city government as partners because it takes, there's another, there's another saying, it takes, it takes a village to raise a child. And you know, it does take a, a village. It takes a community to come together to see the Laconia that I duly, truly believe can be, which is a community of prosperity. So thank you so much for, uh, for being here today and, and sharing who you are and sharing a few thoughts on our city. You're welcome. It's a great privilege and it's my, my pleasure. Just give the mayor a hand, please. Well, before, before the uh, mayor leaves, I've just uh, asked um, Pastor Mike Keffer if he would just come. I, I've checked with the mayor ahead of time just to make sure that he was okay with it. But we just want to pray uh, for you, mayor. And uh, you can just grab the mic there. Um, and just pray that he, he represents our city, but... Uh, there's something significant that he does as a representative of our city. He leads us. He leads us into the direction that I truly believe that God has for him. I don't know what his faith background is, and I haven't asked him that. But one thing I do know 
is that God ordains the steps of man. And I truly believe that uh, I want to pray a blessing for our mayor, and I want to pray that he would lead us into this prosperity that God would have for us as a community. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.